And my wife is back there with our baby. Baby, te pones de pie para que la gente te conozca. She's my wife, Neri, and our baby, Grace. So sometimes, gracias, baby. Sometimes uh, the baby likes to sing during the service, so um, we just kind of were working with her there. So um, Go to John chapter 4, if you could, in your Bibles. John chapter 4. And that's not a joke. I am more comfortable preaching in Spanish, so... Um, if I start speaking in tongues during the message, like the Sunday school teacher was talking about, just uh, forgive me for that. Um, John chapter 4, read just one verse to, uh, to begin our message. John chapter 4 and verse 35, you can remain seated. John chapter 4 and verse 35. It says there, say not ye... There are yet four months, and then come this harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time to be here this morning. I pray that you bless the message. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would fill me with power and that you would help me to deliver clearly the message that you have for us this morning. Thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. I think uh, it's John chapter 4, I think the, the story of the Samaritan woman is a fairly well-known uh, Bible story by probably most, if not all of us. And the, the, the encounter with Jesus and the Samaritan woman isn't actually the focus of our message this morning, but we do have to mention it, obviously, to, be, to understand um, our text this morning. Um, so let's go back to verse 1 of John chapter 4. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we'll read a few verses um, and then kind of just review this part of the story um, until we get to our text in verse 35. But verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. And we'll stop there for now. And so um, we see here that verse 4, it says, uh, well, verse 3 tells us that he's going to Galilee. And then verse 4 says he must needs go through, uh, go through Samaria. It's necessary that Jesus go through Samaria to get to Galilee. Now, if we look at a map and we see where Jesus was and where he was going, um, geographically, this is a true statement. It was necessary that Jesus go through Samaria to get to Galilee. There were other, other ways to get there, obviously, but there would be more roundabout ways. It would take him longer, and, and the more, most direct route was through Samaria. And so uh, um, it was a geographical reason. But um, the, the, the fact that it's here in the Bible, that, the, that God tells us Jesus had to go through Samaria, tells us much more than, it's talking about just much more than geographical reason. It's talking about the fact that Jesus knew who was there in Samaria. It's talking about the fact that Jesus knew that this woman would be there at the well, would, 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 would arrive there at the well. He knew who this woman was. Jesus is God. He knows all things, and he knew the, the great spiritual need that this woman had. Now, it's very encouraging. It should be encouraging to our hearts to think that Jesus would go through Samaria, um, yes, for geographical reasons, but for more important reasons, uh, because he needed to meet this, this woman. He needed to meet the spiritual needs of this Samaritan woman. And, and so 
we see that it's much more than a geographical reason. Uh, um, but it's also interesting because Jesus, um, obviously a Jew, um, the Jews did not get along with the Samaritans. And we'll see later on in the story, and we'll see that the Samaritan woman herself was kind of taken aback that Jesus would ask the Samaritan woman, he asked her in verse 7, he tells her, give me to drink. And the Samaritan woman is taken aback because the Jews and the Samaritans uh, did not really get along. Culturally speaking, it was not really acceptable for Jews and Samaritans to, to be having a dialogue or for Jews and Samaritans uh, uh, to be spending time together. Uh, but again, we know why Jesus is doing this. We know that Jesus came to this point um, not because uh, he was tired, not because he wanted a drink, not because he wanted to get to Galilee. Um, yes, all of those reasons, but not... His, his primary reason was to deal with the spiritual need of the Samaritan woman. And so you see there in verse 7, it says, There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Verse 8, For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Now remember that verse. We'll mention it later on. Then saith the woman of Samaria, Samaria unto him, How is it? Um, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. Verse 13 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And praise the Lord that this is still a truth this morning. This is still a truth in our day that those that come to, to the fountain of eternal life, which is Jesus Christ himself, will never have spiritual thirst again. Jesus continues to be that fountain of living water springing up and we can we can go to Jesus and it, and I'd like to say this morning before we go on if you're here this morning without Jesus uh, you, you can come to Jesus he is still the fountain of everlasting life he is still a fountain of water springing up unto everlasting life and if you're here without Christ this morning I'd encourage you to think on this thought throughout the message don't leave here without uh, coming to this fountain without coming to Jesus Christ himself uh, to to partake of this everlasting water and receive eternal life and, and think on that thought and we'll continue mentioning it as we go along here this morning verse 15 the woman saith unto him sir give me this water that i thirst not neither come hither to draw he just saith unto her go call thy husband and come hither the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou hast, who thou now hast, is not thy husband. In that thou says truly. Now, I'm going to try to move quickly here uh, uh, um, this morning, but uh, we, we do want to... Um, just kind of take a minute to, to think about what Jesus is saying. Remember our text is in verse 35. We still have a little bit before we get to our text. But it is important to realize what Jesus is saying here. And, and it's interesting, and we should take note, that Jesus knows who we are. Jesus knows what we've done. Jesus knows what we have been or who we have been. And Jesus knew the Samaritan woman. Jesus knew uh, how she had lived. Jesus knew her lifestyle, which was not a spiritual lifestyle. It was not a godly lifestyle. It was very uh, a very earthly lifestyle, a very sinful 
life that this woman had lived. She had had five different husbands. The, the man she is currently with isn't even her husband. But in spite of all that, Jesus seeks out the Samaritan woman because he knows of her spiritual need. He does not reject her. He does not say, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with isn't even your husband. You've lived an immoral life. You've lived a sinful life. Uh, just, just go away. I have nothing to offer you. He said the complete opposite. And it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter who we've been. It doesn't matter what we've done in our past. Jesus is still the answer for our life. Jesus is still the answer uh, uh, for those that are still in need of eternal life this morning. And again, if you're here without Christ this morning, I want to reiterate this, this truth before we move on. If you're here without Christ, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've been. It doesn't matter who you are currently. Jesus is still the only one that can offer you and is still the only one that can give you eternal life. There's no other, there's no one else that can give you eternal life. There's nothing else that you can do to get eternal life. Down in Mexico, I'm knocking on doors. A lot of times uh, we present the gospel to people and they and they'd respond with yes i want to be saved but i need to change my life first that's a backwards thinking you can't change your life if you don't have jesus jesus is the one who will change your life jesus is the one who will transform your life don't try and change your life and then come to jesus it won't work that way it can't work that way jesus is the one that offers you eternal life this morning jesus is the one that can and will transform your life if you will only receive him as your lord and savior and so jesus knew who this woman was Jesus knew what this woman had done. Jesus knew who this woman had been. Yet, in spite of all that, he comes to her and offers her eternal life. Um, let's jump down a little bit, um, and, and let's go to verse uh, 25. And so Jesus and this woman are having this dialogue about who he is, and, and she's beginning to realize that this was quite possibly the Messiah, the Christ, whom they had been, uh, whom they had heard about. Uh, verse twenty-five: The woman saith unto him, "I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things." Verse twenty-six: Jesus saith unto her, "I speak; I that speak unto thee, am he." I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. And that truth still, and that is still is true today. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. He is the only one that can save. He, he'll say a few chapters later, I am the way, the truth, and the, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That still is true today. Verse 27, and now we start getting into what is our message this morning. And upon this, came his disciples. Now remember, the disciples had left Jesus there at the well, and they had gone into town, into this town uh, called Sinar, uh, Sychar, sorry, verse 5, um, <coughs> to, to buy food, to buy meat. And so now um, they're on their way back, verse 27, they're, they're, they're arriving from where they had uh, gone to buy food, verse 27, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. <clears throat> okay, let's stop for a minute here. Jesus had been talking with the woman at the well. Jesus had told her who she was. He had never met her before. 
They weren't friends on Facebook. They, they didn't uh, have any, any other connection whatsoever. Uh, they had never met. Jesus knew who she was. Jesus knew what she had done. And, and this woman now is beginning to realize that this is a Messiah. So now she leaves Jesus there at the well and, and leaves her, her water pot there at the well. She goes into town and says to the people of town, come see a man. Come see a man who, who I believe to be the Messiah, who I believe to be the Christ. He told me who I was. He told me what I had done. Come see a man. And so now the Samaritan woman and, the, and these people in town are coming to where Jesus is. They're not there yet, but they're on their way. The disciples now are going to have, and Jesus are going to have a dialogue. Now, interestingly enough, the disciples come back. They see that, that, that Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman something that's not culturally acceptable in that day. But no, none of them think to ask, hey, what's going on here? Everything okay? Does this woman need help? Uh, can we help her in some way? Is everything okay? Anything we can do? That, that would be, I think, the, the normal response. They just remain silent. Um, where did I leave off? Verse 30. Then they went out of the city and came in him. Verse 31, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. Remember, they had gone into town. They had, they had been traveling for a certain amount of time. And so, so Jesus was tired. He had stopped at the well. And the disciples went to town to get food. They come back. Though, what's, what's, what's naturally to follow? Well, it's lunchtime. Let's eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. So they're kind of surprised. Therefore, said his disciples one another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? Maybe, maybe he uh, door dashed in a pizza or something. He, he ran to the Taco Bell nearby. Uh, they're just kind of like, well, we went into town to get food. Now we're back. And he's saying that he, he has other food to eat. What's going on? Verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now we get to our text, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white, are ready to harvest. I want to focus on that verse 35 this morning, the three things that Jesus tells his disciples, and three things that we should learn this morning that will make us uh, better soul winners, that will make us more uh, eager and, and, and more uh, accomplished in, in winning souls to Christ. And so, the, so Jesus has to tell his disciples here, first of all, he says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. That's the first thing I want to mention this morning. If we're going uh, uh, to win more lost souls to Christ, we need to first lift up our eyes. Get our eyes off of ourselves. Now, the disciples in this, in this passage, in this text, they have their eyes on themselves. They have their eyes on their physical needs. They have their eyes on the fact that it's lunchtime and we're supposed to be eating. They, they didn't have their eyes on the Samaritan woman and what her needs were or, or if, they, if they could be of any spiritual assistance. They had their eyes on themselves. And so Jesus had to say to them, lift up your eyes. Get your eyes off yourselves. And many times Jesus has to say unto us, and this verse we should take uh, application to this morning, we need to lift up our eyes. If we want to win, uh, win more lost souls to Christ, we need to lift up our eyes. Because many times we have our eyes on ourselves. 
We have our eyes on our needs. We have our, our, our eyes on our wants, our desires, our dreams, our plans, uh, what, what we're doing in the moment. And we need to lift up our eyes. Many times, maybe we have our eyes on the cares of this world. We have our eyes uh, on our job, uh, on our financial situation, or on just the general busyness of life. And, and God has to tell us, lift up your eyes. Get your eyes off of yourself. Lift up your eyes. And we need to uh, take into account that there's other people out there that need to hear the gospel. There's other people out there that have great spiritual need, like the Samaritan woman who the disciples just let, let pass by and they did not even ask or inquire anything about her. They're just so focused uh, on the physical needs of the moment, uh, on, on the physical food that they had went and got. And many times we are like that. Many times we do not realize the spiritual need that surrounds us because we have our eyes on ourselves. And we need to lift up our eyes. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves and lift up our eyes and see that there are other people out there that need to hear the gospel. Many times we have our eyes too focused, and I say this carefully, many times we have our eyes and we're too focused on serving Jesus, on being busy for Jesus, that we do not realize that there are many lost people out there that need to hear the gospel. The disciples here in this passage were not doing anything wrong. They were not doing anything sinful. They were not doing anything uh, worldly. They were, even we could say, they were serving Jesus. They had went to town and bought food for Jesus. They had brought it back, and, and, they, and they were wanting to take care of Jesus so that they could continue on their way so that he, had the, he would have the, the nourishment that he needed to continue on his way. And we, we would say today that they were serving Jesus. They were busy serving Jesus. And many times we can be busy serving Jesus and too busy serving Jesus, too busy, too, uh, too, too active doing other things that we fail to get our eyes on the spiritual needs of those around us. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't serve Jesus. I'm not saying we shouldn't be active in the church. We must serve Jesus. We must be active in the church. We must do all those other things. But we must not sacrifice the, the sharing of the gospel to the lost souls, saying that we're too busy doing other things. We're too busy serving Jesus to share the gospel. And the disciples many times had a problem with that. And we see that here in this case. And Jesus has to say to them, lift up your eyes. Get your eyes off of the food. Get your eyes off of, of what you're currently doing. Lift up your eyes. What's the next thing he says to them? Verse 35, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. The second thing we need to do if we're going to win more lost souls to Christ, we need to lift up our eyes and we need to look on the fields. Now remember, the, the Samaritan woman had gone into town. She had said to the people of the town, come and see a man uh, who I believe to be the Messiah. I believe to be the Christ that we've heard about. Come see a man. And a big group of people, it doesn't say how many, but they're coming in from town to meet Jesus. Now I believe that Jesus, when he says, lift up your eyes, when he says, look on the fields, he's referring to that group of people that's coming to meet him. I believe that they could already see them on the horizon. Obviously, Jesus knew they were coming. He's God. He knows all things. But I believe that Jesus could see them in the distance and that they were getting closer. And Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Stop looking at the food. Stop lifting at things you bought. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They're almost here. The, the people that need to meet Jesus, they're, they're almost here. You can see them out there. Look on the fields. 
It says there, you, got, you say that there's four months until harvest. I say unto you, look, uh, look up, uh, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. It's getting closer. It's already, it's, it's already here. The fields are white already under harvest. Uh, we know that to mean uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, fields of grain or corn when they turn white. That means they're ripe. That means they're ready to harvest. And so Jesus is making that comparison. And, and, and in that time, in that region, there are four months until the, the physical harvest of the grain, of the corn. But he's not talking about a physical harvest. He's talking about a spiritual harvest. Look on the fields. Every place where we are at should be our mission field. Every place we go should be our mission field. Every place we go, we should be lifting up our eyes. We should be looking on the field and realize that where we are at, that is our mission field. If you live here in Scottsdale, that is your mission field. Wherever you live, that is your mission field. If you go to Walmart, that's your mission field. If you go to the hardware store, that's your mission field. If you go to, to the taco stand, uh, that is your mission field. And you can invite us and we can go. Uh, it could be a mission field for all of us there at the taco stand. Um, everywhere we go, in your place of employment, that is your mission field. And if you're with your unsafe family members, that is and should be your mission field. Everywhere we are at, we need to look on the fields. Look, look, on, and look out there and realize that there are more people that need to hear the gospel, that there are more people that need to be saved by hearing the gospel and believing in Jesus Christ. But there are mission fields in our state, in our country, and in our world. We should be praying for these mission fields. We can't go to all the mission fields. We can't go to every state, to every country in the world. We can't physically go to each and every country of the world, but we should be praying for these mission fields. We should be praying that the Lord send more laborers into his harvest field. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And the end of the chapter, verse 37 Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Maybe we can't go to every state in the country. Maybe we can't go to every country in the world. But we can pray for every state. We can pray for every country. We can pray for those uh, mission fields where missionaries are going out. To minister, we can and should be praying that the Lord send more laborers into his harvest field. But you know what? Be careful when you pray that. Be careful when you pray that because the Lord might say, you know what? You're praying for that mission field. You go. You can be a worker in that mission field. So if you're going to pray that the Lord send more laborers into his harvest field, be willing to be one of those laborers into his harvest field. We can't just pray for, for a place and pray for a certain field and not be willing to go and not be willing to be the answer to our own prayer. If we're going to pray that, we need to also pray and say what Isaiah said, told the Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, send, send more laborers into your harvest field and here am I, send me, I'm willing to go. We should be willing to go to those mission fields. We can't go to all the fields, but we can go to one. We can go to a certain field, and if God's called you into the mission field this morning, if God's called you uh, into his service, don't resist his calling. 
Don't resist the Lord's calling. If God's called you to a certain city in the state or a certain state in the country or a certain country in the world, don't resist His calling. Going back to John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus tells His disciples, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They're out there. They're white under harvest. They're ready. They're, they're, they're almost here. That group of people that the Samaritan woman went and, and, and brought, and, and, and they're on their way, and they're almost here. Look up. Look on the fields. Number three, we must be willing to labor in the harvest. Verse 36, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice uh, together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye entered into their labors. The disciples were about to have the opportunity to reap from a harvest that they had done no work. Remember this group of people that's coming in from town? They had nothing to do with that. And, and really, if we think about it, how is it that they didn't bring a group of people from town? They went into the same town that the Samaritan woman went into. How is it that they, come back, they came back with nothing but their food? And the Samaritan woman, who had just met Jesus a few minutes earlier, went to that same town and is bringing a multitude of people to come meet Jesus. How is it that his disciples, his 12, the disciples that were with him night and day, the disciples that traveled with him, the disciples that knew him, the disciples that the Samaritan woman just, just barely is believing that he's the Messiah and the Christ. The disciples knew for certain that he was the, the, the Messiah, that he was the Christ, that he was the Savior of the world. How is it that they went into that town and they brought back no one? Sometimes it's like that. Have you ever met a recently converted Christian? One that like just got saved yesterday? And how many times they're just so on fire for God and they're just out there and they're just telling everyone about Jesus. They're bringing people to church. And, and, and some of us, we've been saved for years and it's been ages since we brought anyone to church. Why is that? Why is it that many times those of us who know Jesus more know that, know that for certain that he is the Christ, we've been saved, for, for, we've been saved forever. And, and how is it that recently converted Christians are bringing more people to church, are sharing the gospel more than we are. Shouldn't be that way. How is it that the disciples went into the same town, brought back no one? Samaritan woman goes into town, brings back the whole town. How is that? We need to be willing not just to lift up our eyes, not just to look on the fields, not just to say, yep, they're out there. There's, out, there's people out there that need to hear about Jesus. I don't, I don't think that's news to any of us. Not just lift up our eyes, not, not just look on the fields, but be willing to labor in the harvest. Be willing to work. Be willing to share the gospel. Be willing to do all that we can do so that others can hear the gospel. We must, like we already mentioned, we must be willing to, to say like Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord, send me. We must be willing to do like Paul, if necessary, and labor night and day for the cause of Christ. 
You must be willing uh, to do like Peter and, and preach it straight, preach it like it is, even if it means suffering for his name. Yes, it is God who gives the increase, but we are the ones that, that, that God has, has charged with sharing the gospel, with planting the seed of the gospel. We're the ones that plant the seed, that, that water the seed with the word of God. Yes, God is the one that gives the increase. God is the one that gives the fruit, but we're the ones that need to work in his harvest field. We never know who will be the next person ready to hear the gospel and ready to be saved. Here the disciples are about to have the opportunity to reap the reward of a harvest that they hadn't even worked for. Jesus prepared the harvest. The Samaritan woman, by sharing the good news, was preparing the harvest. The disciples did nothing, and Jesus is giving them the opportunity to reap the harvest. Hebrews 6.10, you'll have to turn there. It says, For God is unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Gal uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Psalm 126 and verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We should never let an opportunity go by to help someone meet Jesus. We, should, we need to get our, eye, our eyes off of ourselves, get our eyes onto the fields, and be willing to labor in the harvest fields of the Lord. This laboring might, might consist of giving a gospel tract to someone. And, and, and there's, a, there's a church in California, which many of you may, may or may not have heard of, a large church, that they have a, they have a program that's called Jesus Every Day. And it simply consists of encouraging their members to take a gospel tract and give a tract to one person each day. And you, maybe you'll be thinking, just one tract? That's not very many. When's the last time you gave out a gospel tract? When's the last time we've done that? When's the last time we could say, I gave a gospel tract to one person each day this week? Maybe it's giving a tract. Maybe it's sharing the gospel with someone who's ready to hear. Maybe it's inviting someone to church to say, come to church and come listen to the gospel and come hear God's word preached. Maybe it's watering the gospel seed that someone else has already planted. We never know what part of the process we'll be involved in. But we need to be involved in the process. We need to be willing to labor, to work, so that other people can hear the gospel and be saved. We need to get our eyes off ourselves onto the harvest field and always be ready for whatever opportunity comes our way. Verse 39, coming to a close here. Verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, on Jesus, for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed Christ, the Christ, the Savior of the world. Something's missing. Something's missing from the story. It says that many of the Samaritans believed on Jesus due to the, tes the testimony of the Samaritan woman. That's good. It says that many believed because of Christ's own testimony, because of his own word. 
Where's the testimony of the disciples? Where, 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 where does it say that many believed because of the disciples' word, because of the disciples' testimony? What were they doing this whole time? I find their absence in the, in the end of this, this passage very interesting. I think the only conclusion we can draw is that they just didn't want to do the work. Jesus had told them, look, you're going to reap a harvest which you didn't even work for. Here, here comes a group of people. You've done nothing. You've gone to the same town. You could have talked to those people. You didn't. But the Samaritan woman did, did your job, did the work for you. They're bringing them. Now it's just, just reap the harvest. That's all you have to do. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they just went and ate lunch and I don't know. But nowhere does it say that many believed because of the disciples' testimony. They're absent from the rest of the story. How sad is it to think that many times we've let opportunities slip away. Many times we've had people right in front of us. We could have shared the God, and we didn't. Many times we've had family members, unsafe family members by our side, and we've said nothing. Unsafe co-workers. Just another day at the office. The neighbors and friends and, and people on the street. How many opportunities have we let go by? like the disciples did here from what we can understand. How sad will it be to get, to get, to get into heaven? And, and, and I don't know if we're going to know this or not, but if we do know uh, and are able to see the people that uh, maybe aren't in heaven because we did not share the gospel with them. Or maybe there will be many people in heaven that we could have shared the gospel with and someone else had to. And we lose out on that part of the reward. How sad will that be? There's a hymn, don't worry, I won't sing it, called So Little Time. It says, So little time, the harvest will be over. Our reaping done, we reapers taken home. Report, report our work to Jesus, Lord of harvest, and hope he'll smile and that he'll say, well done. Today we reap or miss our golden harvest. Today has given us lost souls to win. Oh, then to save some dear ones from the burning, today we'll go to bring some sinner in. Next stanza says, How many times I should have strongly pleaded. How often did I fail to strictly warn. The spirit moved. Oh, had I pled for Jesus. The grain has fallen. Lost ones not reborn. A day of pleasure or a feast of friendship. A house or car or garments, fair or fame, will all be trash when souls are brought to heaven. And then how sad to face the slacker's blame. The harvest white with reaper's few is wasting, and many souls will die and never know. The love of Christ, the joy of sins forgiven. Oh, let us weep and love and pray and go. May we not be like the disciples who just let people pass by without saying anything. We don't know if we're going to be planting the gospel seed or watering the gospel seed or reaping the seed that someone else has already planted. But we need to be willing to lift up our eyes, get our eyes off of ourselves, look on the harvest, and be willing to labor in the harvest for the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.